Welcome to the Primitive Initiative Podcast. Our guests today are Jim Blakely and Courtney Lawyer from Pure and Secure Water Distillers. We talk about their company history, filtration versus distillation, contaminants, mineral leaching, and other distilled water myths. More podcasts on the topic of water distillation are planned. If after this show you are interested in a water distiller, please head on over to primitiveinitiative.com. Enjoy the show. All right, guys, I'm here with Pure and Secure, the makers of Aquanui and Pure Water Distillers. How are you guys doing? Hi, we're doing great. Thank yeah. you. Doing fantastic. Excellent. Excellent. I'm so glad that you guys could join me today and get through some questions that I receive so often from people who view my content. And I know people who are even familiar with your products, they still come to me for questions because I'm always advocating your product because I think it's just one of the best distillers out there. And I've used it myself for so many years. So I'm really glad that you guys have joined me today. Thank you, Ozan. We are too. So just to start, if you guys just want to give me a quick history of your company and your roles uh, and kind of like what you do and why you believe that distilling is an important part of people's lives. Sure. Um, well, it all started back in the late 60s when um, the founding family patented the first household stainless steel distiller. And... Um, that was, it was actually under Pure Water Society brand. And um, my father, Al Meter, bought the business in 1984. And um, I believe it was then that we became Pure Water Incorporated. We have been producing the Pure Water brand for over 50 years now. And um, in about 2013, we developed the Aquanui brand of distillers. So this was more of a modern approach on um, the, the look of a distiller. Um, you know, it has a smaller footprint than our Pure Water brand, classic models. Um, they are modular. Um, so we'll probably get into this a little bit more later, but the customer sure. can actually choose um, the production um, that they want and the storage tank size that they want. So we wanted it to be more customizable and um, available online at a set price. You know, people are um, wanting to obviously buy online these days. And so that's kind of why we started Aquanui and the affiliate program um, to help further uh, that brand and have folks like you who are avid proponents, um, you know, out there spreading the message with us. Yeah, I, um, I remember my, the first one that I got, I think said pure water on it. And then when I was telling my friends to get it later, I think I remember that switch that you guys had to where now their, their bottle said Aquanui on it. <laughs> so I was just... Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's the same distiller, but uh, I thought it was like, oh, wow, I got one of like the, the old school ones, <laughs> but in a good way. <laughs> so yeah, I was right. Like... I mean, we have <laughs> distillers that, you know, we have a service center here. We're based out of Lincoln, Nebraska, okay. 
they come in, you know, they could be 35 year old distillers and we just, we go through it. We can refurbish it and they look out, they go out looking brand new half the time. So it's awesome. We're very proud of our quality. Um, you know, we pride ourselves on keeping it uh, American made and making a product that will last the consumer for many, many years. And that's really important to us. Um, I'm here with Jim Blakely. He uh, has been with us for how long now? Uh, almost eight years, actually, with the company. Okay, great. And um, he's he's been in sales. Now he's um, pretty much heads up our customer service department. And so if anybody calls in, it's likely that they'll be talking to Jim. I'll be the first voice you hear when you call in, most likely. <laughs> So. I ran into Jim because, well, from being an affiliate, you know, I saw his name and his picture, and then I saw his uh, name on some of the replies that he gave people on the website, and he was really good at explaining uh, the the answers that he was giving to people. He wouldn't just give them one-word answers. He would give, like, a really coherent explanation um, of things, and I was really impressed, and I was like, wow, this would be great to have uh, someone like Jim on the uh, on my podcast so that he could explain to people some of the misconceptions of distilling and some of the awesome benefits of distilling, too. So I was really happy when you guys agreed to come on because of that, because I was like, yes, somebody who can explain distilling and give it the uh, the uh, integrity that it deserves. That's awesome. That was, one of the, that was one of the best parts when I initially started working here was instead of, you know, just being trained on how to sell or you know, how to troubleshoot machines. I was trained on, you know, distilled water and the education of, you know, why distillation works, why it's so important, the reasons people, you know, have been doing distillations for, you know, hundreds of years. Yep. So that really led into, you know, the best thing about selling a distiller is, you know, if you explain and, you know, can educate someone on, you know, water quality and just water purification, distillation becomes really the only answer that makes sense to you at that point. Right. And correct me if I'm wrong, but rainwater is essentially distilled water. Of course, nature does it in its own way, but still when that rain falls, it might pick up some particles, but it's still pretty close to distilled water being absolutely pure. That is exactly correct. Yeah, it's called the hydrologic cycle. So, you know, the sun heats the water on the on the surface, rises up the steam, collects those clouds in the air, and then falls back as rainwater. That is exactly what a distiller is doing. It's boiling the water, steam is created. That steam is then cooled down to liquid and falls into a kind of into a storage container. It's just mimicking that natural cycle. It's it's probably a safer safer alternative these days to rainwater, unfortunately, because of the yeah. industrial revolution and kind of the things in the air that that gave rise to. So it's nice to be able to control it in your own home environment. Exactly. You know, it, it reminds me, my, my father has been all over the world doing training seminars. And he was telling us when he was um, in Guam, so they're out on an island surrounded by ocean. He showed, um, well, you know, ocean water itself is some of the most polluted water. Um, it's about 35,000 parts per million if you were to measure it. Oh. And um, so he actually did a live demonstration. They, they have um, rainfall every afternoon. And so he said, let's put some 
glasses out, some uh, empty cups, and and we'll measure it after it rains. So that's exactly what they did. They put the cups out. He brought it back into the training session and put the um, TDS meter, which measures total dissolved solids, into right. the water, and it measured zero. And he said, this, this is coming from the ocean, which you obviously cannot <laughs> just drink ocean water right. and expect to survive very long. But um, through nature's process, it purifies. Um, it's, it's our own natural purification cycle. So that is what we are doing inside a distiller. And from what I understand, is it the Navy that also uses uh, ultra-purified water, like distilled water? I don't know if they're using distilled exactly, but I believe that they're also having to purify water uh, while they're out. At, uh, yeah, you know, um, there we have lots of customers that I can speak firsthand how they use it. Um, I know I've also heard that, Ozon, but we have not... Um, to my knowledge, sold directly to the Navy. Um, I have talked to some servicemen who um, who says who say that they have big RO systems on Navy vessels, as well as distillation systems. So, yes, but I I don't I guess I can't say for sure. Um, sure. It does make sense to run it through an RO and then distill it. Um, that would help uh, the distiller last longer because you're not putting chlorides directly into the stainless steel distiller. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so when kind of talking about RO right now, what, what would be the benefit in having a distiller over so many of the other water purification devices that we see? Or, or water, I, I, I like to call them water filtering devices because I feel like purification, um, in my understanding, means that you want, it, the, you, you want the microbes, viruses, cysts, all those type of things to also be eliminated when you're trying to derive water from a source of water that you're not sure uh, how contaminated it is. Well, right. yep. one of the big things is that most filters you're going to find are going to be a barrier method of purification, which means a you know a very fine mesh or membrane is placed, and then water is pushed through it. And anything with a that's too large to pass through that membrane is left on one side, and the water pushes through to the other. Yep. So it's a pretty solid form of uh, filtration. Carbon filters kind of work in that way. They pick up contaminants that are too big, and the rest of the water passes through. The main problem with them is that, you know, anything with a step smaller than the membrane can pass through. And over time, that membrane is going to wear down and allow more and more things to pass through. It's, you're going to find this in with any kind of filter RO system. Your quality of water will drop over time as you use that filter. And that's why you have to constantly replace filters. With distillation, because the bulk of the purification comes from the phase change of water from liquid to gas, all those contaminants remain behind in the boiling tank as the steam is then separated. So the big difference is that with a filter, you're removing contaminants from water. With a distiller, you're removing the water from the contaminants. And that's really one of the big advantages is that over time, our consistency level is going to be the same over your first batch versus your hundredth batch, 
their water quality will stay the same, whereas with an RO system or a filter, that quality of water is going to drop. Yeah, that quality of water that uh, a lot of companies will come out with as their as their test results is just like you said, it's usually in like a Goldilocks perfect condition in that initial use of the machine. But like you said, immediately after you start using that, depending on your local municipality or your source water, um, it, who knows how fast the quality of that water will drop right afterwards. And I think when uh, looking at filters, uh, you also have to consider kind of the way that contaminants might leach into the other components. That's why I personally have seen a lot of RO systems complete the whole thing with a UV light because it seems that this microbe growth is kind of an issue. Yeah, and that's, and that's again, the other big advantage of distillation is that, you know, a filter is not going to kill any bacteria or virus. So, um, especially, and we've seen a lot with RO systems, bacteria builds up colonies on, the, on one side of a, of a membrane and eventually it can even actually um, pass through the membrane just um, as bacteria growth. That's why a lot of them will add that UV light to try and take care of that, you know, bacterial infection. But you look at a, dist a distiller, you're boiling the water. What's the one way to kill bacteria and viruses? Boiling and boiling it. So you bring it up to 212 degrees, kills any bacteria and virus in your water. And then the other advantage is, okay, you've run water through an RO system and a UV light and how it has dead bacteria in it. Dead bacteria can still be a health hazard to you. With distillation, because we've separated the water from the other contaminants and the bacteria, even that dead bacteria is staying behind in your boiling tank. You're not drinking that. You're not putting any of that in your body. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I study endotoxin, uh, endotoxemia a lot. And even in meats that are highly processed, giving bacteria more surface area causes a higher increase in that endotoxin. And even when you cook it, you still get a lot of that. Um, and you can feel the effects through bloating or indigestion, anything that has to do with um, the effects of endotoxin. So it makes sense that having dead microbes in your water, though better than maybe if they were living, it, it's still not the ideal situation. <laughs> the ideal situation is to just not have any of them there at all, alive or dead. <laughs> yeah. So a lot of people um, compare distillation to deionization. And kind of touching back up on that bacteria uh, aspect of things or living organism aspect of things, um, from what I understand, they don't act upon these organic contaminants. So deionization isn't really going to have uh, much of an effect on these organisms. Is that correct? Yep, exactly. Okay. So I think that's an important distinction to make because they can both derive relatively pure water um, but the deionization process will still leave the water, in my opinion, a little more contaminated. Um, and, and let's lead this into kind of what, what, what makes your distillers um, purify so well, as opposed to maybe other distillers that people might find on Amazon or things that might be seemingly cheaper, but what, what, are, what are they compromising when they get those cheaper units? Well... Um, it's a great question, but one of the big advantages of our products is um, mainly just the quality of the the quality of the parts. Um, 304 grade stainless steel made right here in the U.S. 
is mm -hmm. going to be throughout our machine. So everything the water or the steam is touching, 304 grade stainless. Um, distilled water itself is an excellent solvent. That's why, you know, people who run distilled water through a copper tubing or, you know, anything like that, you're going to pick up that copper. It's going to pick up other contaminants from the tube it's in into itself, and then you end up drinking that. 304 grade stainless is not going to add anything to your water. So it gives us a higher purity output on any of our distillers. And that's kind of for all of our units, that's one of the big advantages in comparison to others, especially others made in other countries. You'll find a lot of the tubes or condensing coils are made with a different metal or a stainless steel that isn't quite as high purity. Um, so that's one of the biggest advantages of our units over others. Um, in particularly to our countertop models, um, all of our units are designed to not boil dry. So our heating element is submerged in the boiling tank. It is always surrounded by water. And this acts as a twofold reason. First, it helps our heating elements last longer. And second, it uses it as temperature control. Basically, as your heating element is submerged in water, it can't get above 212 degrees, the boiling point of water. So any contaminant that maybe has a slightly higher boiling point than water shouldn't be able to vaporize because it can't get that hot. It can't get hot enough to vaporize with the rest of your steam. Well, yeah. Explain how that happens on other distillers. So in other distillers, the way they work is they'll often work with a outside heat source on the boiling tank itself and then just measure it by weight. So when the water level gets low enough, it'll shut itself off. The problem with that is all those contaminants you leave over build up in your boiling tank. So over time, that weight begins to increase until your boiling tank no longer can tell whether or not it's empty of water and just remains heating and ends up overheating. And so all of a sudden now all these contaminants can vaporize because the boiling tank is hot enough to do that. So they, they in other words, they boil dry and that superheats the inside of that boiling tank. So um, then those other contaminants can vaporize and carry over with the steam. So it can affect the purity of the water. Um, that can also be a safety issue for the distiller itself. I know that some have been recalled or recalled because they, um, they got too hot. I don't know if there was melting or what, but um, yeah, there's, that's a special uh, engineering feature of our distillers. I think that's really important for people to understand um, because I myself had some of these same questions of what happens to certain contaminants with low or high boiling temps. And I think this gives a really good explanation. Um, and I think on your website, I saw somebody referring to the tops and bottoms of the distillation process. So the, the initial release of VOCs and then the last release of whatever might be boiling dry. and the um, pure and secure distillers, the Aquanui distillers, excuse me, they handle this issue by, like you said, first preventing the dry boil, but then also I believe you guys have these vents on the condensing coil, right, that also assists in eliminating whatever does come out in terms of steam contaminants um, from that. That's correct. We have... Um dual vents on the cooling coil that are designed basically right at this point when steam becomes heavier than air again. So any contaminant that had a lower boiling point than water that rose up with your steam, 
in general should still be lighter than air at that point and vent out of these holes. Um, we actually uh, have a patent on the dual vent process that we use um, specifically because it gives us a high removal of these VOC gases, these volatile organic compounds. And then that's the reason all of our units are always paired with a carbon filter in that, you know, with the carbon filter and dual vents, we get usually over 99.9% .9 removal of contaminants. That's really significant. And I love that they have that feature because it's really important. And it's what makes me recommend uh, your products over others that people send me saying, is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? Because a distiller is not a distiller at that point. It really does matter which one you're getting. And <clears throat> when it comes to um, contaminants being lighter than air, I think that all the, the heat of the steam also contributes to that, correct? The temperature contributes to uh, how heavy the steam is. So even if something is heavier than air, because it's hot, it can actually go up. So meaning the contaminants will go away from the end product rather than towards it. Precisely. So yeah, basically you have a, you have a vaporization point when something becomes hot enough to turn from a you know, solid or liquid to a gas. When a gas, it rises up. But once you start to cool that gas down, it becomes heavier than air and no longer will rise. And that's when you're, and that's basically when that, that venting process occurs. It's right at the point when steam is heavier than air, when that water vapor is heavier than air and will remain down in the coil. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I love that you guys incorporated all of that into it. It really makes it so you can be confident in getting pure water and then the performance of it, since they're hardware mechanisms that are built in, you don't have to worry about them decreasing over time because the vents will always be there. And then the, the buoy that makes the water not go down to a certain level uh, will also always be there. <laughs> um, sure. So yep. that's really awesome. Um, so I know that when people run their showers or sink or dishwasher even, a lot of these VOCs are coming into their home just by the very nature of our municipality and the way that they treat the water. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of those VOCs going in through those sources. So some people who follow me are, very, are purists and they ask, well, what happens when those contaminants evaporate into the air of the home through the distiller? And I think, you know, it, as, as far as the countertop model goes, I only have to really worry about one gallon worth of contaminants at a time, really. So I don't view that as very significant when it comes to all the rest of the water sources that you're leaving on in the house for much longer periods of time. Um, but theoretically, could someone open a window to let those contaminants kind of fade out of the home? Yeah, generally VOCs are volatile. I mean, they're lighter than air and they usually stay that way. Mm -hmm. Most VOCs vent out of rooms quickly um, mm -hmm. just by the nature of the gas and by the nature of rooms and how houses are built. They're not going to be lingering and kind of hanging in there. No, no more than you know, any other contaminant in your air quality is going to be. But yeah, they can certainly open a window. Um, if they're particularly concerned, Ozon, um, we would recommend like a whole house carbon filter. So they can actually take care of that in a whole house situation with, um, with a big uh, filter filled with uh, carbon. And that would be pre-distillation? Correct. Okay. So that would take care of it for your showers, for your dishwasher, laundry machine, all of that, as well as the water you'd be putting into your distiller. So yeah, I think that's really that's, important. Yeah. yeah, that's an option. We can always, 
um, you know, some people have us quote that we can get those for people, but um, they can also be found locally pretty readily by a, a plumber. So um, it really just makes more sense for people to check locally on that. Um, but if that is of a concern, that that's certainly something they can do. Right. I think that's just good for people's overall health. Um, yeah. Distilling, yes, but also when you wash your produce or when your kids are washing their hands or you, so, you, you yourself are washing your hands. I know a lot of people who suffer from eczema and get relief when they filter out the chlorine in their water. So I think that's just a good preventative step altogether for somebody to have in their home. Yeah. Um, so the contaminant that a lot of people are concerned about uh, here in Minnesota, especially in Minneapolis, is chloramine. And that kind of leads me to my next question, which is, do you think there are any contaminants that distillation is not as good at filtering out? And what can people do? And I, I know you gave an example here of maybe having a carbon filter beforehand to kind of uh, take some of the burden off the distiller. But in terms of chloramine and some contaminants that the distiller might have a harder time filtering out, what can people do? Or, or does that exist? Um, well, first of all, so just to explain for your audience, chloramines are a combination of ammonia and chlorine. And so that also is uh, a VOC that can be absorbed uh, quite readily by carbon. So that is something that a whole house carbon filter should take care of. And it's something that a distiller also takes care of through through the distillation and venting and filtration process. So um, that really honestly wouldn't burden a distiller. The things that would um, more burden a distiller would be hard minerals, things like that. So if people can soften their water before putting it into a distiller, um, you know, that will remove the hard minerals first and that will reduce the maintenance inside your machine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, other than that, some people, there are some specific things that can be removed by um, specific, you know, other filtration devices that are specific for the contaminant, like iron. If, you, if you're in a rural area that has a lot of iron or manganese, it's often found also with um, hydrogen sulfide. Those three contaminants are often found together, um, and those can be removed um, quite easily with something like an iron filter. A distiller can also remove it, but um, in that case, if it is affecting like plumbing in your whole home, you don't want the you know iron uh, residue in your toilets or your showers and bathtubs and things like that. That can be removed uh, beforehand with an iron filter. So um, I don't know if I've answered your question, but, um, you know, distillation itself is is very effective. And I don't know if we've mentioned it yet, but we've done hundreds and hundreds of tests over the years through third-party laboratories um, on our equipment. So we're not just guessing or doing in-home, in-house testing to say that we can remove them. We are sending... Um, we are sending our distillers to a lab and they actually spike the water samples very high with a certain contaminant 
before they will show the percentage uh, removal rate, which as you can see by our results are often over 99% removal, so. Yeah, that's a great explanation. You definitely did answer my question. So from what I understand, you're saying things like minerals, like the things that make the water hard water, are the things that can cake onto the distiller over time, which you can clean off with something as simple as vinegar, uh, distilled vinegar, or I think you guys even sell a solution that you can use. Um, but the things that be can become volatile or vaporized don't really burden the distiller um, because they, they, there's nothing to cake on. They just kind of evaporate out. And chloramine um, and, and the multiple chlorine reactions that happen in water are those component or, or, or are those contaminants in water that can just vaporize out. Exactly. Correct. And where can people find the test results for your distillers? Um, they should be on our website. Um, okay. We have a whole list of blogs there based on. Oh, we have various ones on um, specific contaminants, and then we have ones on um, like ways that pure water can improve your health, um, the benefits of drinking distilled water, things like that, just so people get an, an idea. Um, and, and really, if you think about it, drinking water that is pure and free of contaminants <laughs> is much better for your health than drinking water that is contaminated. So we always have to be careful that we're not making medical claims. Um, but when you look at the EPA, so there's a, there's a list of contaminants that the EPA requires water municipalities to test for. And if that, if, if your local municipality passes those, um, those tests, I think there's about 123-ish of those, they can call your tap water safe. Mm -hmm. um, but people need to keep in mind, it's safe for the ones they tested for. And they don't test for the thousands and thousands of possible contaminants in your water. They simply, you know, cannot do all that testing all the time. So, um, so that's something that's kind of eye-opening if, if people haven't really thought about it that way. When they say your water is safe to drink, it is safe within the parameters of what they need to test for. And further on that point, there are what they consider safe and allowable levels of things like mercury and lead and arsenic. And me personally, I... I don't think there's any safe level of lead and arsenic <laughs> and mercury that I want to be drinking yeah. or I want my children to be drinking. Um, so it becomes a consumer choice. It, it really is up to the individual to make that decision of what they think is okay, allowable and safe to consume. So, um, I just urge people to do their own research and, you know, think about what they think is um, safe and healthy to be consuming because it's, when you get into the research, it's, it's pretty eye opening. And, you know, one thing I've, I've learned is once you know, these things, 
it's pretty hard to pretend you don't know anymore. I mean, once you know these things, you want to do the best you can to protect yourself and your family and loved ones from from consuming those contaminants. So, And I will say, kind of piggyback on what Courtney was saying, um, I often get a lot of calls, people saying, hey, I have this X contaminant in my water. I want to know if distillation removes it. And we've tested for a lot of contaminants, but there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of different contaminants out there and more being discovered every day. So, you know, a lot of times we just haven't had the time or the money to test for every contaminant out there. But one of the best things about distillation is that you can look up the boiling point of any contaminant and see if it's higher or lower than that of water. If a contaminant is higher than has a boiling point that's higher than water, you can be pretty confident that it will remain behind in your boiling tank and won't vaporize with the steam. And so many people, I talk to people who just call in asking for a contaminant I've never heard of, or and we'll just Google the boiling point and go, oh, look, it's 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit. So pretty confident this will remain behind your boiling tank. Yep. <laughs> Based on the physical properties. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you're not going to be able to do that with a filter, you know, an RO system going, well, is it small enough to pass through the membrane? Is it big enough? Will it stay behind? I don't know. Yeah. So that's another big advantage of distillation is being able to, like, if you're worried about something specifically, you can look it up pretty easily. Yeah. That's great. I, I actually use that with people who ask me the same question. I'm like, you should look at the boiling temp and see where, at what point the distiller is either going to get rid of it or not even mobilize it in the first place. So, um, and I think you made a really good point in terms of you don't consider any level of contaminants in water safe. And I agree because we can't avoid these contaminants in so many aspects of our life. When you're driving, you're breathing in other people's exhaust, there's heavy metals in there. And then you go into a department store and there's VOCs everywhere. And so not to make people hypochondriacs, but at the same time, it, we're already getting exposed whether we want to or not. So if you have control over a substance that you're consuming, cooking with, uh, maybe even using in your humidifier to breathe, why not make that as pure as possible? Right. Exactly. You're so. spot on. And you know, it also brings to the point that people should be cooking with and baking and, and rinsing produce and doing all of that with pure water. Um, because what you're doing, if you think about, let's say you're cooking uh, some pasta. Mm -hmm. So let's, so you fill a pot of water with tap water or a, a pot with tap water and you're bringing it to a boil what you're doing is you're letting all the pure steam escape, the pure H2O molecules escape, and what you're left with in that pot is concentrated contaminants. So if there was yeah. lead in it before, you now have more lead. If there were nitrates in it before, you now have more nitrates in your, in your water that you're about to cook your food in. So when you think about it that way, it really begins to, I mean, these light bulbs just start going off like, oh my gosh, yes, I do need to cook with distilled water. That makes so much sense. So I think taking it a step further from just pure drinking and consumption that way, you know, if you make tea or coffee or um, you're diluting juice or whatever you're doing, you should be doing that with pure water. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree. That's why when people ask me, oh, is it good enough for me to just boil my water? I'm like, well, you're probably just concentrating a lot of the contaminants, maybe getting rid of some of the chlorine, but, you know, you're, you're making it worse in other ways. So yeah, exactly. um, I think that's a great point. And I think it's worth mentioning that when you use distilled water in any device that requires it, it doesn't leave behind any scum. It doesn't leave behind any um, residue from the hard minerals. So your machine just operates perfectly like a water kettle. It's awesome. CPAP machines need distilled mm -hmm. water. Iron use um, distilled water. Humidifiers, like you mentioned. So... Um, this is the one that is all over the internet, and people love to mention it, and I love to talk about it, but I really want you guys to kind of dispel this once and for all. Does distilled water leach minerals from the body? That's probably the most common question I get on the phone. <laughs> um, uh, no, it is physically impossible for distilled water to leach minerals from your body for a couple of reasons that I'll kind of get into here. Mm -hmm. um, First of all, leaching is not a biological term, it's a geological term. So basically when water passes over a rock face, it picks up you know, the minerals from the rock itself into itself because water is a great solvent. And that's where that leaching you know, term comes from. Mm -hmm. so that doesn't happen in your body. Now the idea that this initially started with and from the study I read was that if you were to surround a human cell with distilled water, the pressure on the inside of the cell is greater than that on the outside because the water is pure, there's no contaminants, there's no basically pressure pushing in on the cell. Mm -hmm. So when that happens, your cell will break down and all those minerals inside your human cell will break through the osmosis wall into the water. That's where this idea comes from. You drink right. distilled water, you're leaching these minerals out of your cells of your body. That is physically impossible because the minute you drink distilled water, it mixes with your saliva, your stomach acid, everything you've mm -hmm. eaten that day. And then you're it moves into your intestines where your body absorbs it and then puts it through to work in the rest of your body. And in doing so, your kidneys add ammonia, hydrogen, potassium, and sodium to keep it in perfect, you know, pressure balance with your cells and in pH balance with your body. So there's no at no point is there distilled water in your body leaching things off or pulling things out of your cells because it's your body's designed to not let that happen specifically. All you're doing is not putting other contaminants into your body by drinking distilled water that your body now would now have to filter out and that can build up in the sections of your body. So distilled water can't leach. It's just you're no longer putting the contaminants that are in water into your body. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly the way that I put it to people. It's it's when it makes contact with your saliva. And I think they there was even a test done. I don't know if I read this from you guys, but I, I don't remember the source of it. But they had people take distilled water in their mouth and spit it out immediately. And the TDS rose immediately. <laughs> so, I mean, once it goes down your esophagus, it's already saturated. So... If anything, it could help derive more nutrients from the food that you have, and it could all and your your kidneys have to balance every water that goes into your body, not just distilled water, right? Any water you drink has to be processed by your by your kidneys. Yep. Yeah, so I think it's important to rem for people to remember that distilled water is just pure H two O, and pure H two O 
it's not bad for you. I mean, it, it, it's, it's what your body needs for so many bodily functions. So the cleaner it is going in, the more it can help um, extract waste out of your body. So it actually can help. And this is where I think maybe some of the misconception is. It can help remove hard mineral buildup inside your body. So if you've been drinking hard water for years and years and, you know, you'll really notice it if you start using a distiller um, and you don't have softened water and you start collecting that residue, like instead of emptying that boiling tank, you just let it build up. Now, I don't recommend that for maintenance, but um, it's really kind of a, a an eye-opening test. I mean, you really visually see all this gunk and residue that comes out of your distiller. And it's, it's, I mean, wow, your body is not having to process all that. I mean, it makes sense how, how it's good for you. Um, but if you're, if you're taking that out, okay, excuse me, let me go back. So if you've been drinking hard water for years and years and years, that's what can develop into kidney stones, arthritis, you know, stiffening of the joints, calcium mm -hmm. deposits, things like that. And, you know, often um, if people have kidney stones, their doctors will, will tell them to start drinking distilled water. In fact, that was part of the reason my father bought this business, believe it or not. He heard this lady um, tell a whole audience of people how distilled water saved her life, how pure water helped save her life. And she brought the x-rays of the kidney stones to prove it. Um, she, I think she was down to one kidney. And if she didn't do something drastic, she wasn't going to live any longer. And she started drinking pure water, and by golly, it helped dissolve those kidney stones out of her body. And wow. that is, so me, you know, hearing that what we would consider a myth circulate around so much, I, I think that's part of it, is because it does help dissolve inorganic minerals out of your body. But it won't go into water, H2O, will not go into a cell wall and steal nutrients or, you know, anything out of a cell wall. It just cannot do that. But it can help um, extract waste from your body, help remove it, detox it. Right. And I think that's a great point in terms of the inorganic minerals, because a lot of people from my experience over the years, I've been involved with health in some way, shape, or form for almost 10 years now. And people that, uh, one, one of the main problems that I run into is people don't have sufficient stomach acid. And uh, there could be a lot of reasons for that. And one of them could be hypothyroidism um, or, or, or a lack of protein intake. Um, and they're just not able to make that hydrochloric acid in the stomach, which from my understanding is crucial for ionizing minerals, especially if they're inorganic, like the small microscopic rocks that you have in things like mineral water. And if you don't have st enough stomach acid to ionize or charge these minerals, give them a charge, um, especially if the TDS is really high, if it's very hard water, then your body has a really hard time utilizing those minerals. And then where are they going, right? So 
I think it's really important for people to realize that, that if they have underlying conditions that first try to get your minerals from food, <laughs> which has much higher concentrations right. in much higher bioavailability too, right. um, and then drink pure water so that you're not overburdening your body with uh, non-bonded minerals. And then you can also take the burden off of your, your, your gastric, um, your, your stomach acid so that it's not, it doesn't have to try to ionize every alkaline mineral that you put in there, like calcium carbonate or magnesium carbonate. Yep, that's great. Um, and, and I do want to uh -huh. point out, Ozan, that we're, you know, we we don't claim to give any medical advice. We just want people to, um, you know we want to help educate and have people talk to their own doctors about it because um, everybody is so different. And, um, you know, I would just hate for somebody to take something the wrong way, but um, I, I hope we're helping. Obviously that's why we're here. We want people to um, lead healthier lifestyles and that certainly can be done with pure water and, you know, something that you brought up at the beginning is pure drinking, pure water is a very easy, simple lifestyle change. I mean, there's yeah. all these, especially as you, you know, go, go into a new year, there's all these fad diets and um, exercise regimens that people look at and may not stick to. But if you, if you realize the importance of water and so many doctors and nutritionists talk about the quantity of water how much water you should intake but they don't talk about the quality which is so important um so that's a very simple lifestyle change that people can make and especially if you get an automatic unit that's producing the water for you and it's ready whenever you want it it's just you know it just fits into your lifestyle and you can take it with you wherever you go. You're not buying bottled water and contributing to plastic waste. And so, you know, there's just so many benefits the way we see it. And, and we hope that we've, we've helped share that message. Yeah, you definitely have. I, I really appreciate everything that you guys have shared with the audience and me today. It's really been a learning experience and a really uh, like that you guys have so thoroughly thought about this yourselves too, because like you said, a lot of the times um, companies will either uh, promote something that they don't maybe even understand themselves or uh, think deeply enough about. And I think part of the reason why you guys uh, have such a good um, reputation is because of things like considering dry boil and the VOC vents and just going the extra mile and making sure that water is actually pure. And I think that's a really important step to take, being a, a supplier of something, but then also an educator. And you guys don't make medical claims, and I don't either. We're just trying to help people realize that there might be things in their water that they really uh, should be more cautious about. And, um, exactly. and that is probably a good way to assist in bettering your health, is to consume something that's... Uh, of better purity. And I think in terms of water and food, these are the two areas where people, if they pay a little more attention, can really see some major changes. Yes. Yeah, we agree. 
Awesome. Well, thank you, Ozan. Um, do you have any other questions for us? Or I mean, we've covered a lot here, and we're happy to do this again sometime and dig deeper into a specific subject if you like. And um, you know, you just let us know. We're we're here for you, and and any of your audience, uh, they're welcome to call in with questions uh, or email us. We're we're here to help. You'll probably talk to me when you do. Yep, I can personally say firsthand that you're very good at responding because I've messaged or I've emailed you a few times, Jim. So, <laughs> um, Fantastic. no, uh, you guys uh, were amazing. Thank you, and I'm so glad I got a two for one deal here with Jim and Courtney. <laughs> so I got uh, double the information. That was great. Um, just a personal question, if you guys don't mind, before we wrap it up, is um, is there one thing that you do, and it can be anything? Uh, every day that you you never don't do it's something that you do for yourself or for your happiness or for your health that you try to do almost every day so each of you can uh, answer this and if you have something in mind oh gosh well pure <laughs> water has been a part of our lives for so long that's that's a given um, you know we both drink distilled water in every facet <laughs> possible. Sure. Um, other than that, um, you know, I'm, I'm very into yoga. And while I don't get to a yoga class every day, I do try and spend some time focusing on myself because I know it makes me a better, a better person all around. I mean, Absolutely as a mother and a wife and um, probably as a coworker, <laughs> <laughs> I just feel so much better when I'm, when I've done that. So for me, I'd probably say, um, I remember reading a study once when I was living alone that uh, a lack of physical contact with people, including hugging was uh, a major uh, cause for depression. So I started making a point to, um, at least visit someone, you know, a family member. Now that I have a girlfriend and kids, it's much easier to, you know, <laughs> yeah. hug someone Get when I need husband. it. Yeah, so. Um, but and even just making sure that, you know, my kids especially get a hug every day and know that, you know, that just that physical contact and love with, you know, someone is, I think, is extremely important for day to day. Yeah, that's awesome. That That's great advice. I love both of those. That's funny that you talked about hugs because, um, first of all, at my workplace, as, as, um, taboo as this might be these days, the physical contact being discouraged. Uh, a lot of myself and my coworkers, we hug. That's how we say hi to each other when we're changing shifts or whatever. And, you know, we just kind of like, I guess if it's not accepted, that's fine. But this is what makes us feel good and more connected. So we're going to keep doing yeah, this. <laughs> exactly. That's great. Um, awesome. Yeah. Well, that was amazing. Thank you guys so much for joining me. And I really appreciate you taking out this time. We've filled about an hour's worth of information. I'm sure people are going to gain a lot from this. I uh, can't wait to see the responses and, and, and the knowledge that people have gained from this episode. So I really appreciate it. Great. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. I'd like to thank everyone for listening to the Primitive Initiative podcast. Please don't forget to rate, subscribe, follow, and share. If you'd like to find out ways to support us, please head on over to primitiveinitiative.com.